this part of America. Lisa is from Illinois, but uh, she and I, I am from the Middle East, and she and I have lived on the island of Cyprus for about 34 years. And we're thankful that there are brothers and sisters like you linked to brothers and sisters as far away as Indonesia. And I bring you greetings from them and from brothers and sisters in Pakistan, in Iran, in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Jordan. There are single congregations in each of Kuwait, Bahrain, Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi, the Sultanate of Amman, and there are a growing number of believers in places like Yemen, and there are congregations in Algeria, a growing number of congregations in some in Tunisia and Morocco. The Nile Valley, covering Egypt and North and South Sudan, has a great number, a very encouraging number of believers who are like-minded. I bring you greetings from them too. And I'd like to also bring you greetings from brothers and sisters in the tribes of the Oromo, the Amhara, and the Somalis in East Africa. It is a pleasure to know that the gospel is at work. This morning, uh, this evening, I will not take the time to give you more of a report, but I would like to leave one word with you for your encouragement. We are living in special days. Uh, as I think of it myself, I never dreamed to see the day that we are seeing today, having grown up among Muslims, to see so many Muslims not only disenchanted with Islam, there are millions of them, but among these, a growing number of the sheep of the Lord Jesus hear his voice and follow him. Please continue to pray for this work, and I trust as you learn more and more about the gospel at work among Arab and Muslim peoples, you will rejoice. Now please turn with me to God's Word in the third gospel, the gospel according to Luke, the seventh chapter, reading from Luke, the seventh chapter. Please remember, this is not man's word, but the life-giving word of the living God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And after he, that's Jesus, had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, 
for he loves our nation. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant Well, God's word, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. And let's pray that the will of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to bless us from his word will indeed take place not only to our minds, but also to our hearts, to our hearts and our lives. Brothers and sisters, this story, this narrative in the Gospel of Luke, is not about a healing, not about a physical healing. It's about something far greater than that. Now, it is true, at the end of the story, at the same time that Jesus spoke to the centurion of his faith, as the servants, the messengers went back, they found that the servant who was about to die is well indeed. But this is not the focus. You can agree with me that everybody that was there other than Jesus ended up dead. We all will die. Lazarus raised from the dead died too. But Jesus said if you are in him even though you die you don't really die. Because he is the resurrection. If you belong to him, you are raised with him. And we hear, here in this passage, we see a story of a resurrection from spiritual death. Luke was like you and I, or like most of us. I don't know you, but I know I have not a drop of Jewish blood in me. He was a Gentile like me and like most of you, if not all of you. And he was writing to another man who was a Gentile, Theophilus. Now, Theophilus 
had heard different stories about Jesus, and there were those who were casting doubt on Jesus. If you read carefully the book of Luke, it was meant to straighten out his thinking, his mind, because he heard uh, apparently terrible tales about Jesus and about Mary, and that's why there is focus there about the virgin birth and, and the reality that Jesus is the one who fulfilled what was promised in the Old Testament. You see that even at the end of the book of Luke. Luke ends telling us that Jesus spent 40 days on earth opening their minds to understand the Scriptures. It's all about Him. He fulfilled it all. But this story is about another Gentile. And so it's very important for Luke and for Theophilus. An amazing man. This man was evaluated as a man worthy to receive the favor of Jesus. But he did not see himself this way as we see it in this narrative. Now, why did they conclude that this man was worthy? It was a religious conclusion. Religion tells you you are worthy if you do certain things. And this man was amazingly, in their religious eyes, very worthy. Why? They give two reasons. What are those two reasons? You can look at the text and see it for yourself. He was worthy because he loved the Jewish nation. Did they really understand why? They knew very well it's most unusual for an old Roman official to love them. They weren't lovable. A Roman official who actually not only loved them, but he loved the whole idea that there is, there was a, a nation. What kind of nation? There were all kinds of nations. But this specific nation, they did not really understand that this man understood and longed for the fulfillment of what God purposed in that nation. That's why they gave another reason and they still didn't understand them. To them, if you make a big financial sacrifice, well, this man actually made a huge financial sacrifice. From his own pocket, he built him a synagogue. And the people of religion would tell you, well, that, that gives you a very special place in God's place. 
their very special position with God. The man didn't see it this way. But why did he build them in a synagogue? And it was in Capernaum, a major city, that synagogue was quite major. Did they understand really why this man cared about his servant that was about to die? In those days, servants were owned. So what? He dies, bring another one. After all, he's wealthy enough to buy another slave. Or two, or three, or more. He built a whole synagogue. But you see, as we read, the Holy Spirit is telling us something very remarkable about this man. He never met Jesus. He never heard Jesus, even from afar. He never saw a miracle. He only heard about Jesus. And so, the Jewish elders come to Jesus, and you read carefully in Luke, they really never come to Jesus. But now, this man has done them a favor, and they are going to bring this little Jesus who does all kinds of things to heal other people who are not worthy, but this man is more worthy. So they're coming, and you see them walking with Jesus, and the crowds are coming. They're going to see another magical thing. You watch out for those faith healers. Huh? People follow them. These people were on, uh, for another, another entertainment, another excitement. Well, this man only heard about Jesus. What did he hear about Jesus? He heard about Jesus that which brought about a change in his life. He didn't need to see anything. When he heard about Jesus, the purpose of the synagogue has been fulfilled. He built him a synagogue because the synagogue was for the study of the word. And these people needed to be encouraged to read the scriptures, to understand the scriptures, to be excited about what he was longing for. Here is a man waiting for what he learned about in the Scriptures, just like Luke. And as Theophilus also read, and he's wondering about Jesus. But this man heard about Jesus, and then he said, that's him. Without seeing, he believed that Jesus could heal this man. And then he said, look, I am a Gentile. I am a man who is not of God's people. Look, I am not a person qualified. These people are qualified. 
So he went to them, and they were excited. And they're coming to take the credit. Here we come with Jesus, and they want to get the credit. And Jesus goes along with them. And as he goes along with them, this man is thinking. This man is being quickened again by the Holy Spirit. And then he came to another very disturbing conclusion. Me go to Jesus? No. But now, what a terrible thing I have done. I am asking Jesus to come to me, to be under my roof. Me, sinner, a Gentile, they considered them like pigs and dogs if they were Gentiles. Jesus, no, 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 I know who you are. Jesus, I know what kind of authority you have. Look at me. I am a human being, but I have been given this military authority. I have soldiers and I have servants. I have people under me. I tell them to do this and do that. Uh, don't to do this. They don't do that. Come here. Go there. They fulfill things. But look, Jesus, what, what kind of authority do I, do I have compared to you? Jesus, I know one thing. You do not need to go anywhere. All you need to do is say the word. And my servant will be healed. Jesus, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So he sent his messengers. And Jesus was very close. And the messengers come on their horses, rushing, and they stop there in front of the entourage, and everybody stops. And the message comes to Jesus. And do you notice what the Holy Spirit is telling us? Jesus knew all about it. Jesus turns around to the crowd. And he says to them, you are the covenant people. I have not seen such great faith, not even in Israel. Who is, who was disappointed? These people were trying to give back a little bit of favor to the centurion, somebody who unexpectedly is so generous and so loving, and they're coming, and they want to get the credit. But Jesus turns around, and he says, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
a Gentile. Now, Luke, you can be sure, is excited about that. Theophilus was wondering, what a great thing, Gentiles now. You see, that is the work of the grace of God. How does faith come? By gimmicks? How does it come? By theatrics? By programs? How does it come? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, this man did not see anything. He did not need to see a miracle. Brothers and sisters, these are very special days even for us in evangelical circles today because we get enchanted by all these tales. You notice in the gospel, Jesus did not heal or do all kinds of miraculous things for the, for that, for the sake of just doing them. You read at the end of the second chapter of John that so many people believed, believed, just like the devil does. The bare level believed who Jesus is because they saw the miracles. But Jesus didn't entrust himself to them. Faith is not believing just that something is true. Most people who call themselves Christians, even today, believe that Jesus was born from the Virgin Mary, that Jesus was born on Christmas Day, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus rose from the dead. There are people who are not Christians at all. They don't call themselves Christians at all, and they are happy to believe this, that this is true. But that's not faith. You see, faith is that work of the Holy Spirit that convicts you and me of our lack of worth, that we are sinners. We are hopeless sinners. We are not worthy to be in the presence of God. But God has provided in himself, in the Lord Jesus, God has taken on himself the cost of it all. But God promised that from the very beginning. From the very day sin entered the world, God promised even the devil himself, the seed of the woman. That's why he had to come through a virgin, because this is a new man with a new soul, untouched by sin, unrelated to Adam. This is the new Adam. And faith receiving the gift of God through God himself, God with us in Jesus Christ. Faith 
the work of the Holy Spirit generates in us a new life. Hallelujah! So, the church today needs to remember again and again what this centurion concluded. Man is unworthy. There is no hope. But God has provided the way. God has paid the price. God has come through the seed. As he promised. And God's people who recognize this. Abraham, Isaac, David, Moses. They longed for the day of Jesus. And Gentiles. Gentiles who heard the word of God. Who abandoned the lies of religion. That they can make it to God. And recognize that there's only one way to God. Jews and Gentiles alike. As we saw this morning from Galatians chapter 3. It doesn't make a difference anymore. Baptized into Christ. No distinction whatsoever. Brothers and sisters, we have the worthy one. Jesus is not just a prophet. Not long ago, I read this renewed message from a brother converted somewhere in central Saudi Arabia. He was responding to one of the sayings of Jesus in one of the Arabic websites, Aqwal Isa al-Masih, the sayings of Jesus the Messiah. And the saying was from Jesus himself saying, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life as a ransom for many. Somebody from our staff, with a borrowed name explained what that mean, meant. And this fellow from Saudi Arabia said, now, now I believe this is the gift of God. And he went on and on to say that now he believes Jesus is not like other prophets. He's more than a prophet. This is God himself. Here is your God. You waited for him. Here is Emmanuel. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Our gracious God, it is in you that we find our comfort, our certainty, our hope, our full salvation. We thank you that the Holy Spirit, the blessed Holy Spirit, with his blessed work, past, present, and future, is calling out 
through the gospel, your people from every tongue, tribe, kindred, and nation, we rejoice. May the power of the gospel be at work not only in our midst this evening, not only in our churches, but also more and more, especially among those who call themselves Christians. We pray, Lord, that the authority and the power of the Scriptures by the operation of the Holy Spirit will bring about renewal in the love of the church, of the Word of God, of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. response. We'll turn in our hymnals to hymn number 99, My Song Forever Shall Record. We'll sing verses 1 to 4.